Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50% to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. You're listening to the QuickBook Reviews Podcast. Brighten your day with a book. Hello, my fellow bookworms. This is Philippa from QuickBook Reviews. How are you all? Are you all right? Do you know, I just had to go to the shops before I recorded this. And as I was driving, there was a police car with sirens behind me. And I was convinced that they were, they'd come for me, that I had done something without even knowing that, um, I don't know, was I a spy and, and my memory had been wiped and I didn't know? Um, had I been speeding when I hadn't been speeding? You, who knows what, what happened? Of course, they overtook me and carried on. But I don't know, every time, not that it happens that frequently, but every time... I get a police car behind me with the lights flashing. I immediately feel guilty, even if I've done nothing wrong. Is that just me or is, does that happen to you as well? I don't know. Uh, I think it's probably that I read too many books. That is the issue, I think. But who cares? Love reading. And today I have got some fantastic books to talk to you about. And I don't have one author interview. I have two. So let me tell you what the books are that we're going to talk about today and then I'll let you know who the interviews might or might not be with. Um, so the first book is Fry's Ties by Stephen Fry. Then we've got Other Parents by Sarah Stavell and that comes out this week. Um, just published, well recently published I should say, uh, last year. I Know What I Saw by Imran Mahmood. Um, we've got Frankie's World by Aoife Dooley, that's just coming out. Um, and we've got Just Out as well. Is this interesting when I tell you the publication dates? I don't know. Anyway, the final book is The Unravelling by Polly Crosby. Basically, if they're not already published, they're going to be published within within days, if not hours of you hearing this. Um, and uh, and they're all wonderful. I've not got any books to moan about this week. Sorry about that. I know some, some of you like it when I have a, a little moan. But these are all great. Now, I've been doing this podcast for a few years. You know me. I, I love talking about books. I love talking to authors. But uh, something rather marvellous and magical happened. Yeah, I got to talk to Stephen Fry. So let me tell you a bit about this book. I'm, I've got all the books sitting on my knee, so sorry about the noise. Um, but l let's read the blurb of this one. And you might think, why, why do I want to, to read a book about ties? Maybe you don't, you're not into ties. Maybe you don't wear ties. I don't wear ties. I loved this book. I started reading it in the bath and it was just... It's just a lovely read. You learn stuff from it. You learn about Stephen. You learn about the history of ties. 
about culture, all sorts of things. And I thoroughly enjoyed it. And if you're a friend of mine listening to this, just cover your ears because you're probably going to be getting this for your birthday or another celebration very soon. It's that sort of book. It's definitely a gift. Um, So here's the blurb. What else can one wear that allows one to murmur but not shout one's love of design, form, patterning and colour? Socks can delight with jazzy patterns and crazy colourways, but we don't really go about the place gazing at one another's ankles. The tie is the Goldilocks of exhibition spaces. Not too hot and not too cold, not too big and not too small. Just right. Um, Now, I normally read first sentences, so I I really should read the first sentence of this. Okay, yes, because this is great. And the the, chapter is called Of Ties and Me. Anyone can wear a tie. All you need is a neck, a shirt and a feel for colour. As I say, I loved this book. Um, I just enjoyed it so much. The illustrations, the photographs, gorgeous. It's a feel good book without it setting out to be. And I like those the best. Um, and it just it just made me feel happy reading it. And, and as I say, I'm going to be buying many copies for family and friends. So, yeah, I, I just I can't recommend it enough. It's lovely. But, you know, you don't want to listen to me talking about it. Let's talk to Stephen Fry now. Stephen Fry, your latest book, Fry's Ties, it, it's a glorious book, an absolute delight. Can I just ask you, you, you got the idea in lockdown, I believe. Yes, that's right. I was like a lot of people at the beginning of, of the extended lockdown that began in 2020 in about March and went on till about June. It was all new to us and there was a mixture of excitement and fear and doubt and so on, but there was also a lot of kind of domestic excavation, shall we say, a lot of people (laughs) discovering their inner baking skills or indeed lack of them in my case, but I made some sourdough and a banana bread and all the other cliches, but also a lot of fossicking around the house and spring cleaning and um, do I really need this and shall we have a bonfire of these old things and, you know, and I was opening drawers and discovered so many old ties that I must have packed up in a bin liner in uh, my London flat and then taken to Norfolk a couple of years ago and and forgotten all about. Um, And as I looked at them, I suddenly had this great surge of affection for them because they Mm -hmm. are little packets of memory. The beauty of a tie is that you, when I travel, which I do a lot, I, I nearly always buy a tie in a different town, city, you know, different country, um, partly because they do, you know, as I say, they they contain so many different messages and thoughts and memories and connections, mm. but also just practically they're so easy as a souvenir because they weigh virtually nothing and you can pack them anyhow you like, unlike a book or an ornament which can break and it takes, you know, takes up so much room and weight in luggage. A tie is a light and easy thing. So... Uh, I found this kind of emotional connection to them that rather surprised me. And so I photographed one and put it out on Instagram. The first one was a fashionable tie, and I wrote about Fasonabla the fashion house and how Cary Grant in the 1950s had made it quite um, quite the fashionable fashion house and how big it was in the late 80s and early 90s and how I'd bought this one the first time I went to the Cannes Film Festival, I think was what I wrote about. It didn't actually make the book, that particular one. <laughs> but it was 
uh, it got a good response, and then the next day I did another tie, and so on, all the way through. Some I'd worn on television, some were clubs that I was a member of, you know, ridiculously obvious ones for a, an English figure like me, you know, the MCC, the cricket yeah. club in Maribyrn that I belong to, or the Garrick Club or something like that, or a university college drinking society or something. So those kind of really ridiculous, old-fashioned, silly English things, as well as ones that reminded one of things like tie rack and these funny yes. stores that used to sell them. <laughs> the different the different kind of fashions that were current in the eighties and uh, and different periods of my life and how they you know when I first went to America for example to New York when I had a musical running uh, on Broadway which was a very exciting period in the eighties and all these th- stories just sort of tumbled out of each tie so. Um, People started to say, oh, you, you should do a book. I was getting these tens of thousands of likes every day, and, and, and my publishers were amongst them, and they said, yes, you should do a book, and so we agreed. And uh, they took all my ties away for months to photograph them in different and illustrate them in exciting different ways. And, the, and they produced, a, I think, a very handsome and lovely yeah. book. Um, so thank you for saying nice things about it. But it, it is... Uh, on the one hand, an incredibly silly thing, but also it's a little doorway into so much about fashion and life and one's thoughts about how one presents oneself and how people have over the years used ties as symbols of terrible throttling, you know, as schoolboys in particular, those schoolgirls often have to wear them too, you know, hate them. They are absolutely symbolic of everything they most despise about school because they're a uniform, but they're not only a uniform, they're one that strangles one and can't let one be free. So the opportunity to pull that tie off is such an important symbol of being free from convention and the strictures of orthodoxy. It, it made me realise how important ties are and how they can each have a backstory. I almost now need a, an app on my phone to hold up to a tie when I see one to what obtain the backstory. Dear, maybe there's a listener out there who can uh, who, who can do all, who has the technical chops and the time and the energy to do such a thing. It would be delicious. I mean, you you mentioned about the the, the, the mixture of photos and illustrations. It's beautifully done. W- will there be a book too? Well, there's a thought. I'm, I'm, <laughs> I don't know. I haven't any plans for it. I've certainly got enough ties for it. That, that's for certain. No, many, many ties are not included there. I mean, it, it's such an interesting, um, as you say, facet of, of life because have you noticed with books that since the 90s it, it really began in earnest? There's this great um, kind of almost a genre of nonfiction, which is to analyse social and cultural history through the very narrow lens of of a particular thing. And it might be ties in, in this case, although I don't actually make a great play of social and cultural history. It's just, you know, it's part of the, the what I'm writing about. But it's things like, you know, the famous ones are cod or yes. salt or yes. um, sugar or, you know, um, um, or Sheds. slightly grander ones like Rats, Lice and History is uh, a famous book, for example, or um, what's the Yarra Diamond one, Steel and Guns, you know. So how you can you can open up everything yes. through one tiny and very specific thing that seems almost trivial, but which is a key that unlocks 
a huge amount of knowledge and and, and information. And I, I love things like that. They're, they're really interesting. Yeah, it taught me so much about yes, history and 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 about you uh, and about ways to to tie ties mm. as well. So my final question is: Can you do a Trinity knot? I have done one. It takes oh wow! A, it takes a bit of sweating. I I uh, I was reminded of that. I, I think I tell the story in the book. Uh, it's quite a well-known one of perhaps the most famous British dandy of them all, um, uh, Beau Brummel, as he was known, George <laughs> Brummel, who was a friend of the Prince Regent and, and, until they had a terrible, terrible rendering asunder of their friendship. Um, and he d- you know, defined fashion for the Regency period, really. And what's interesting is that he was a... He, 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 his, his taste was incredibly severe, really, black, and white and and pure and clean proper lines and no folderols none of this the generation before him had you know all these fobs and quizzing glasses coming off their waistcoats and and colored high collars and colored pantaloons and he went for very very sort of um, black dark coats and beautiful boots i mean unbelievable attention to detail the 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 cream top of the boot when you turn down the top of the boot so it was cream <laughs> there was the black shine which was kept shiny with um, a mi- mixtures private mixtures that only he knew that included boot black and champagne and other things that to, to keep them so glossy and he would refuse to go hunting or to go out out if there was a suggestion there might be a puddle <laughs> because <laughs> So he was very finicky, but but it wasn't about bright colours. Anyway, he um, uh, some friend went round to visit him one morning. Well, I say morning; it was probably midday because these kinds of people only got up very very late in the morning. Um, and he he went up, and you know he, the, the the footman or whatever had given him a cup of chocolate. And he went up with his cup of chocolate to see his friend George, who was in his dressing room, in his dressing chamber, sitting in front of a mirror. Uh, tying a tie, with, one imagines, almost with his tongue poked out, <laughs> concentrating very heavily. And the floor was a sea of discarded neckcloths. And his valet was there, wringing his hands, looking in the mirror anxiously. And as the friend came in, he looked down at this sea of discarded neckcloths and sort of raised his eyebrows. <laughs> and the valet turned to him and said, Our failures, sir. <laughs> that that absolutely sums up the the marvelous effort that get, that went into the creation of these and and writers really fine writers on the on the period you know whether it's Jenny Uglo and uh, and you know actual historians or it's someone like Georgette Hare the superb mm. novelist um, they they sort of pointed out how incredibly significant the tie was there were different names for the knots as you as there still are you mentioned the trinity the famous ones of of the ordinary necktie that we have today are the uh, probably obviously the four in hand and the windsor and the half windsor and Mm. various others um but in in his day the the neckcloths were a little more elaborate the white starched um cambric or irish lawn linen and um they were called things like the Trône d'Amour, the Throne of Love, or the Waterfall, or the Mathematical. Um, and they took a heck of a lot of, of, of tying, hence the staring in the mirror and the discarding of all the ones <laughs> that you get it wrong, and so you put a crease in the wrong place. Um, and that, anyway, to incredibly long answer to your question, no, is wonderful. my experience with tying the Trinity. 
Uh, and it's that attention to detail that makes the book such a, a, a fabulous read. It, re it really is. Stephen Fry, uh, whose latest book is Fry's Ties, thank you so much for joining me. Thank you, Philippa. Wow. Well, I know I was a bit gushing and simpering at, uh, at when I was introducing the book to you, but come on. He's the loveliest, nicest, kindest man. Um, and it was a pleasure to, to talk to him. Um, yeah, very much so. Uh, he's also um, on the a recent episode of Dum De Dum, the other podcast I co-host, uh, where he's on talking to us for, for about an hour there. So if you want more Stephen Fry, I would direct you there. But um, I suppose we need to talk about other books as well. It can't just all be about Fry's ties. And the next book I want to talk to you about is Other Parents by Sarah Stavell. Let's go through the blurb on this one. Listen to this. In a small town like West Burntridge, it should be impossible to keep a secret. Rachel Saunders knows gossip is the price you pay for a rural lifestyle and outstanding schools. The latest town scandal is her divorce and the fact that her new girlfriend has moved into the family home. Laura Spence lives in a pokey bedsit on the wrong side of town. She and her son Jake don't really belong and his violent tantrums are threatening to expose the very thing she's trying to hide. When the local school introduces a new inclusive curriculum, Rachel and Laura find themselves on opposite sides of a fearsome debate. But the problem with having your nose in everyone else's business is that you often miss what is happening in your own home. Let me go to the first sentence before I tell you what. Um, ah, you see, do I? I'm. Mm, what do I do? No, I'm going to. I'm going to read you a paragraph. I'm sorry. I apologise. It's fairly short, but you need it. She'd only ever known what it looked like from the outside. When they were finally given a date for the trial, they'd come here and walked along the quays so they could examine the sandstone building and the huge silver lettering above its doors. Everyone told her it would help if she knew what to expect. The law courts. <gasps> OK, I love this book. Um, if you enjoy things like Big Little Lies, you know, uh, things like... Um, Celesting, uh, Leanne Moriarty, Sarah Vaughan, all sorts of those books where it's all this sort of relationships and big themes. I loved it. I was riveted by it. Um, I didn't imagine the ending. It's a great book. Yeah, that I'm, you, I'm not going to. It's a great book. Uh, I don't need to say anymore. Um, but what I do need to say is let's talk to Sarah, the author of this book now. So Sarah Stavell, author of Other Parents, welcome to the podcast. Thank you for having me. Had to have you on. I had to talk to you about this book. It's, it's one I'm not going to forget in a hurry. Let's start with the obvious. What gave you the idea for this book? Um, well, the idea came from the fact that I, well, this isn't the idea. This is just the birth of the book. It came from the fact that I had written something quite dark beforehand and um, that had really got me down actually um more than I was realizing and after I finished that I thought I just want to write something that I'm going to really love writing that's a little bit funny um nothing too awful happens I mean a, a few bad things happen yes um, <laughs> but um that's based in a world that I'm quite familiar with and um that I feel I can have a laugh with with the world that I'm that, that I'm uh exploring but not not brutal you know I, I didn't want to destroy um the world of the of the schoolyard but I just wanted to kind of shine a light on it in a way that everyone is familiar with so um 
in that way that that the the best satire and I wouldn't call it the best satire kind of um you know cuts through a candle but still leaves the candle intact that's what I wanted to do um without destroying anything it's about secrets Mm -hmm. for me it's about the truth we present to others and and to ourselves it it felt that was an important subject for you to cover uh yes it was um because I think I mean I think that's just true of everybody I mean you know just on the most fundamental level you say to someone how are you? And they say, fine. Um, and there's all sorts of stuff that really means that answer is not true. Um, so, you know, all of us really as adults um, are portraying a, a brave face to the world, I think, almost all the time. Um, I mean, sometimes the problems we're dealing with are, are fairly minor, but other times they can be absolutely major. Um, and you're just putting on a brave face. And no one, I think very rarely do people know how bad things can be. Um, and that's that. And that's why, I mean, you know, when people announce that their marriages have broken up, many, many people are, are really shocked by that um, because they have no idea how miserable everybody was. Yes, that's true. And maybe if we all start being a bit more honest with each other, we we might feel better ourselves mm-hmm. about, about everything. Yeah. Did, did the whole story come to you as one complete picture or did it develop as you were writing? No, that unfortunately that never happens to me. I never... I'm really envious of these people who say, I've got the whole story or I've planned out an entire novel. I'm just like, God, I just can't, I cannot do it. I just, I started out with one character who my first character actually happened to be Erin. And I just wrote a chapter from her point of view um, because I I wanted to explore the schoolyard and the, the politics of parenting through the viewpoint of someone who was actually unfamiliar with it, who'd kind of just married into it rather than been there with these children from birth she she had married their mother and um and taken them on at a much later age so she was entering this world of parenting halfway through the parenting journey and i just wanted to to look at it from her point of view um so that it because it's it's a weird world i mean when you're living it it's it's just normal but i mean to outsiders it can be a bit odd to sort of be on the playground with these women whose whose lives revolve around the PTA or the school, or, you know, and, and these used to be normal women with jobs and careers and, and stuff. And now mm. suddenly their worlds are much smaller. And that's what yeah. I wanted to look at. I, I thought I'd seen a lot at the school gate, but this is something on a on another level do, do you stand there with your with your notepad and other parents <laughs> no. sort of away very quickly no I don't I, I mean I had been um I had been a part of this of the school world for um oh, seven or eight years when I wrote this book so I was very familiar with it um and obviously I mean it's a novel so things are exaggerated um but yeah, I mean, it, it's a world I've been part of and I've loved being part of it and I still do love being part of it, but I do find it funny sometimes when I stand back and, and look at it. <laughs> the reality check yes. of what's <laughs> going on. Uh, Rachel and Laura, both very strong characters in, in different ways. Mm-hmm. Um, did your plan for them change as you wrote them or uh, were they fairly constant? Um, they were they were fairly constant, Um I think Erin, as the book developed, became a bit nicer. She she wasn't quite as um, as patient and tolerant as she ended up in the final version. Um, but no, she did become a bit nicer because it, um, her stepdaughter needed an ally. Um, mm. And I think Erin became her ally 
Um, so she became she became a, a more sympathetic character in the, in the final version than she had been in original versions. And with all that that happens, it for me, I know it's a phrase that's used so much, but it, the book is a page turner for me, both in how the characters develop mm-hmm. and certain cliffhangers. Yeah. Is that the sort of book you like to read or did you just want to take us, the reader, you know, on a, on a whole journey? A bit of both. I mean, I, I do, um, when I write, I'm really aware that I want to keep the, re- the reader turning the pages. Um, but as a, as a reader myself, I, I mean, I, I like a good story, but it doesn't have to be full of suspense or anything. I read, I read a, quite an eclectic range of stuff, um, and I, I, you know, it's great when you come across that rare book that you just can't put the put it down. Um, but no, I'm I'm very happy myself with quite a slow story where not a huge amount happens. But but I'm very aware as a writer that I want to keep people turning the pages. And you do. I mean, there's got this amazing opening chapter, the start of a court case. And, mm-hmm. you know, you don't know who, why, what. Uh, it, it, it's the ultimate sort of way to start a book off. It's <laughs> splendid. Did it feel like that as you were writing it? Um, well, I actually, I wrote that prologue last, once once the whole plot had been sorted oh, out. Oh, wow. Right. Um, and I think because the opening chapters are sort of quite introductory, you know, because I've got five characters and so I had to do a, ch- a chapter from each character's point of view. And so they're, I mean, the story is starting to develop in those chapters, obviously, but it, it's it's a bit slower. So I wanted to put that prologue in just as a little guarantee to my reader, look, look, bear with these first five oh, chapters yes. and it will, it will all, you know, things will happen. And it worked for me because, <laughs> I, 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 yeah, I wasn't aware of having to be patient and give the book time I was just like what what's going on I need to know I need to know more and every time you meet someone you think well what is what's going on is it is it them it's very clever Uh, have you had people ask if you've based it on them at all yeah (laughs) oh really (laughs) well I've um I've got a copy that's currently going around my friends at the moment and um and they keep saying to me I can't read it without without wondering who's who um and then they they say things like, do you know what, reading your book, it's just, it's taken me a weekend and it was just like spending the weekend with you. Um, <laughs> but yeah, so inevitably I think people are, because it's such a familiar world to all of us and people are reading it looking for um, looking for identifiable people that we know, but um, they're not finding them because I didn't, the setting is quite similar to where I live, but the actual characters aren't because I know better than to leave myself yeah. open to being sued <laughs> yes which you which you don't want that, I don't that. want that no did it take you a long time to write it or was it just sort of sitting down and it, and it just all sort of came out um it was I think it was all just so re- so ready to be written it took me six months um oh, which isn't the fastest I've ever written a novel but it was the second fastest do you find the writing process exhausting or exhilarating um, I find it mm, halfway between the two. It, it's, um, sometimes it can be exhilarating. Sometimes, no, I don't really find it. Oh, I don't know. Do I find it exhausting? I mean, I'm, I'm always, <laughs> I'm always tired. I don't know if that's because I write or because I'm busy or because I'm just a little bit lazy. I don't know. Oh, fair, fair enough. So <laughs> what, what do you do if the words don't come? Do you have a, a go-to thing? I don't know, coffee, chocolate, um, go for a walk, light a candle? Well, usually, I mean... 
usually I'm I'm really disciplined and I just if it's if I reach a difficult stage um I I'm always very kind to myself I uh, have a dog and I take him for a walk and I find I get lots of ideas that way or I can mm. I say lots of ideas I can make I can sort of solve the problem um mm. I also bake a lot so that that helps when I'm sort of up to my ears in chocolate, I, I get and, ideas. Um, and you're a very good baker as well. I well, believe. I don't know I about mean, that. Well, yeah, actually, yeah, yeah, I am. You are. <laughs> I mean, okay, if we're comparing it to anything I could produce, you are the, a professional. Oh, yes. thank you. Um, what I do if the words aren't coming, I will uh, give myself some time off. And then when I'm ready to go back to it, um, I will say, right, just try a paragraph. And then once I've got that paragraph down, the rest of it, it usually happens. But the worst thing, certainly the worst thing I can do is say, right, you've got to sit and look at this blank screen mm-hmm. until you've written 2,000 words. I just, I, I wouldn't torment myself like that. It's just, just I, I make sure I've always got the first line in my head. And once I've got that, I'll sit down and, and write it. And, and then the second line comes, et cetera. So when you're sort of in the middle of writing a scene or or a chapter, do you have to keep on writing or are you very much, uh, when I've done this time or done this number of words, that that's it? That's, that's my approach. I'm, um, I start off, when I'm starting a book, I'll be happy with 300 words a day. I then increase it to 500, which is hardly anything. Um and and that's really achievable. I mean, sometimes I will go, I'll go above that and I'll go up to 700. And once that's happening, I'm like, right, now go for a thousand. Once I'm at that halfway point, I, I up it a bit to a thousand. And then I'll just see how it goes. But towards the end, it usually takes on a momentum and I keep going until I get to the very final chapter and think, oh, how do I end this? <laughs> and that's always a whole other issue. <laughs> So you're not someone with spreadsheets and oh God, no, plans. No. no, I'm terrified of spreadsheets. I'm terrified <laughs> of plans and no. <laughs> so what's been your writing journey? You know, you mentioned a previous book. Was that The Home that you yes, were referring yes. to? Yeah, that was another extraordinary book. Can I ask what, what your writing journey has been then? Yes. So I, I went to do an Arvon course when I was 26. And that's uh, the Arvon Foundation runs residential writing courses in mm. various beautiful places in the country um, and that was a real turning point for me that was when I thought okay yes this is what I want to do I met great people there made good friends um, and I thought yes this is what I want to do I, I, I want to spend my life at this I'm, I'm ready to commit to it so after I came back from that I applied to do um, an MA in creative writing which I so then I had that whole year where I did nothing but write and that that was another key pivotal time for me because it made writing, it put writing at the forefront of my life. Um, and so once I finished the MA, I then just didn't stop. I mean, writing continued to be at the forefront of my life, um, yeah. which meant I have quite a checkered employment history. But anyway, um, <laughs> so yeah, so writing just became the most important thing. And then um, I published my first novel with a small publisher called Snowbooks, And then I wrote another one and that was published not in this country, but it was published abroad. And then I carried on writing some more. I did a PhD in creative writing. I had a baby, so things slowed down a little bit. Oh, and then I had another baby, but I carried on writing all the time. Um, and then I wrote my novel Exquisite, which was uh, snapped up by Arenda Books 
Um, and then I wrote the home for them as well. And Exquisite did quite well in France and Germany too. And then um, I think Exquisite and the home became a springboard to, um, to, to something bigger, which is how I've ended up with other parents at, at HQ. Gosh, how interesting. So are you of the view that even if you're not writing a book, just keep writing each day, sort of keep uh, keep that skill going? Yes, I am entirely of that view. I mean, that's what I'm, I'm a lecturer in creative writing and it's what I tell my students to do uh, where, all the time. Where do you uh, lecture? At Lincoln University. Oh, wow. Um, so I say to my students all the time, I say, just write 500 words a day. I mean, that's my key rule. It doesn't take very long and it it makes writing a habit and it's really I, th- I think it's more important to have for to write daily just a small amount than it is to write a huge amount once a month um I, re- I really th- oh, I don't know maybe it's not the best way for everyone but it's the way I would recommend yes it keeps the tools sharp yes exactly fresh if you could go back to when you were first I don't know when you were first packing to go to on the Arwen course. Mm-hmm. Is there anything you would tell yourself? Uh, yeah, there is, but that's not for repeating here. Um, <laughs> um, is there anything you would tell yourself <laughs> about writing? Um, I, uh, um, it would be actually yes, there would be. It would be um, don't be afraid to commit to what you really want to do, um, and don't listen to the people who who try and talk you out of it um you know because there's there's always someone who'll be like oh but it's so competitive it's like trying to become a pop star you know wouldn't it be better to be an English teacher um well no it wouldn't if that's not who you are I I would have been a terrible English teacher um so yeah that's that's what I would say I would say um uh just just don't be don't be afraid to commit and that's that's what I took away from that Arvon course was I can commit to this I'm okay at this and I'm going to do it. Uh, and what a positive message that is for for so many people, you know, listening who are, want to be a writer, just to have that um, sort of passion and, and dedication. Can I just ask as well about TV series or a film uh, <laughs> for other parents? Because for me, it was a very visual book. I could really see it happening. Yeah, me too. <laughs> me too. I hope someone from Netflix is listening. <laughs> <laughs> oh gosh yeah <laughs> trust me um yeah is that something that you would like oh god to, of course yeah I mean yeah. that's every writer's ultimate dream isn't it yes I mean I would never I probably would never watch it I mean I never listen to my own audiobooks but but if for it to happen I'd be quite happy if they asked you to play a character which one would you enjoy playing um well I'd be Rachel obviously because she's the best <laughs> <laughs> well and the book is the best so oh, thank uh, Sarah you. Stavelle, author of other parents thank you so much for joining thank you me. thanks one size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes nice dress uh it's a it's a t-shirt until you tried it on same goes for your health care that's why United Healthcare offers a variety of flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. So whether you're between jobs, coming off a parent's plan, or even missed open enrollment, you can find the plan that fits you best. Find out more about United Healthcare coverage at uh1.com. That's uh1.com. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? 
All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Life is full of awesome what ifs and some not so much, like unexpected medical costs. That's why United Healthcare provides Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans to supplement your primary plan and help manage out of pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is PlushCare. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weightloss. That's plushcare.com slash weightloss. So there we go. Two authors in one episode. Um, wonderful. But we've still got some great books to talk about. So let's swiftly move on. I Know What I Saw by Imran Mahmood. Um, I read it. I also listened to some of the audiobook and the narration was superb. So I'd really recommend that. Let's do the blurb, shall we? Xander Shute, once a wealthy banker, now living on the streets, shelters for the night in an empty Mayfair flat. When he hears the occupants returning home, he scrambles to hide. Trapped in his hiding place, he hears the couple argue and soon finds himself witnessing a vicious murder. But who was the dead woman, who the police later tell him can't have been there? And why is the man Xander saw her with evading justice? As Xander searches for answers, his memory of the crime comes under scrutiny, forcing him to confront his long-buried past and the stories he's told about himself. Uh, right, come on, Philippa, let's do the first sentence. Do you know, I've got to say it, I am over pasta. I don't know, just with the Christmas holidays, meals with kids, I just... If I have to eat another portion of pasta in the next month, I'm going to lose my mind. I just, I'm pastored out. I, I can't, I can't pasta the pasta anymore. Uh, yeah, sorry, just had to share that with you. I know it's probably just me, like, with everything. But anyway, come on, Philippa. First sentence. Oh, it's going to be lots of sentences, but hey, who cares? Chapter one, Tuesday. The sky is a bruised sea. It threatens to burst and split the night. There is a children's play park nearby. The gates are shut but unlocked, and they push open easily with a gentle squeak. Of course, at this time of night, it's deserted, and I know I can sleep here until light. Okay, so let's talk about this book. This is a crime book with a difference. Um, it's immediately jettisoned the author onto my autobuy list. It's fresh writing. And that's what we need. Um, it's not his first book, but it's the first one I've read. Uh, it's got twists. Um, it's got different themes. I mean, you know, the main character is living on the streets. So it's illuminating. It's alarming. It's mesmerising. Boom. It's just it's just a great book. Um, yeah, I learned a lot. I felt a lot. I was shocked. I was caught up in the story. I couldn't believe it. And I don't mean that in I can't. You know, I find that very hard to believe, as my father always says. I find that very hard to believe. No, not like that. Just what? Um, yeah, good book. Uh, yeah, great. So, I've, yeah, again, I think, you know, it's very creaky. Did you hear that? bit of a creaky book there. 
yeah, I know what I saw. Imran Mahmood. Very, very good. Now, this is a book with a bit of a difference. So this is called Frank is World by Afa Dooley. It's mid-grade. It's a graphic novel and and it's quite different. So it tells this story. Um, and from what I understand, it's uh, there's a lot of reflections on Aoife's own um, growing up and her life. Um, it's about uh, being neurodiverse and all that that means. But it's about it's about yourself. I loved it. Um, I found I just found it sort of a feel good book that we don't have to conform, that we are our own person. Let me tell you about the colours of it. OK, it's done in two colours, orange and blue. You might think, what, what, what how is that going to work? Let me tell you, it does. Um, the drawings are lovely, natural, vivid ones. The colours are great. Um, it's one you could, I mean, I read it while I was in the bath. Um, so it's not one that's going to take you too long to read. I would say it's for any age, whether you're mid-grade or you're uh, well, I don't know what the phrase, I'm trying to think of the right phrase for 90 plus, but whatever age you are, you'll love this book. Uh, if you go to school or if you uh, uh, go to the retired people's club, you will enjoy it. Yeah, I am. Um, maybe I didn't have pasta today. So maybe, maybe finally I'm breaking free. Maybe pasta has affected my power of speech. Anyway, I, I really am going over overboard today. But hey, I'm just happy to be talking to you, I've got to say. Um, we had a couple of weeks off from the podcast and I missed you all. So it's, it's just lovely to be back. Um, OK, here's the blurb. My name is Frankie. I love art, pizza and rock music. I'm also the smallest in my class and people say I talk too much. Oh, gosh, <laughs> sounds horribly familiar. Anyway, sorry, back to the blurb. No matter what I do, there's no changing the fact that I'm different. Is it because I'm an alien? If I can find my dad, maybe he'll have the answers. It, it, it's just a, a gorgeous, relatable read. It's something that should be in every bookshop. And I think particularly if you've got, um, if you know a child at school and they're struggling and it's sort of all the groups and the friendships and self-identity, it's a lovely, joyful book. Um, it's, it, it's a toolkit. It's a help for those who are going through it. Um, but also if you're grown up and you're going through exactly the same, it's, uh, yeah, being a grown up's hard enough and, and it's just a, a lovely soothe, a lovely balm to the soul. So there we go. Frankie's World. Excellent. And now the final book is uh, called The Unravelling by Polly Crosby. Now, Polly wrote the illustrated child that I reviewed, I think it was last year, that I absolutely loved. Um, and this one is different but a lovely read. So let me read you the blurb. When Tartalin Brown accepts a job as a PA to a reclusive lepidopterist, she finds herself on a wild island with a mysterious history. Tartalin has been employed by Marianne Stourbridge to hunt for butterflies, but she quickly uncovers something far more intriguing. The island and Marianne share a remarkable past and what happened all those years ago has left its scars. The island has a strange effect on Tartalin too, finally allowing her to confront her own painful memories. As she does, Marianne's story begins to unravel around her, revealing an extraordinary tale of two girls, an obsession with pearls and a truth beyond imagination. Um, OK, let's do the first sentence before I tell you what I think the first sentence is. This is the prologue. Marianne bent over the ragged remains of the poor butterfly's broken wing. The insect held still 
as if it knew she was only trying to help. So for me, this is um, a slow developing story. It's it's not Rebecca at all in any way. But do you know the sort of book like Rebecca where how it starts and how it ends are two completely different books? And it, it's sort of it's it's like um, not being just thrown into boiling water, but having the heat gently, slowly turned up. So you're almost not noticing the change. It's elegantly written. It's very atmospheric. Um, and it's something quite different. So if you've had your fill of the thrillers, the crime, the, you know, the, the high pace page turner ones, then this is, as I say, a more elegant, beautiful read. Um, measured, you feel like every word has its uh, part to play. Um, and it's a beautiful looking book as well. I have I have gold. I've embossed gold on my proof. Um, I don't think it's real because, uh, you know, I don't think it's worth me sort of scraping it off and melting it down and turning it into some jewellery. But it's absolutely beautiful. So there we go. I've whizzed through these reviews, but we've had two interviews and crikey, it's just it's a great day. So I think we all need to to get on and go out because I'm going to be back. So let's just recap on the books that I've reviewed today. Uh, before I send you on your way. So, of course, we've had The Wonderful Fry's Ties by Stephen Fry. Uh, then we have had Other Parents by Sarah Stavell. Um, then I Know What I Saw by Imran Mahmood. Um, Frankie's World by Aoife Dooley. And finally, The Unravelling by Polly Crosby. And that's your lot for today. But I have got some astonishing books to talk to you about next week. Can't wait. Another super author interview. So just look after yourselves. Take care. And I'll see you very soon. Take care now. Bye-bye. You've been listening to the Quick Book Reviews podcast. That's enough books, said no one, ever. See you again soon. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavourless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. If you're looking for plump lips that last, you need to know about Juvederm Lip Fillers. With Juvederm Volbella XC and Juvederm Ultra XC, your lip look, whether it's subtle or bold, can last up to one full year with optimal treatment and no additional maintenance. Find a licensed specialist and see if it's right for you at Juvederm.com today. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Add fullness to lips in adults over 21 with Juvederm Volbella XC or Juvederm Ultra XC. Do not use if you have severe allergies or a history of severe allergic reactions, or if you're allergic to lidocaine or the proteins used in Juvederm. Tell your doctor if you have a history of scarring or taking medicines that decrease the body's immune response or that can prolong bleeding. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. As with all fillers, there's a rare risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. For full, important safety information, visit Juvederm.com. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more 
and is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.